Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today, my oldest daughter stops by and we talk about one of my favorite topics, society's whipping post, social media. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back wherever your day is. I hope it's being a great day for you. If it's morning, whatever it is, I hope that your day is going well. Today I'm excited. You've heard my wife join me before. Today my oldest daughter, Kendra, is joining me for the first time. Maybe we'll do more of these as the year goes on. Who knows? Well, this year's coming to an end. But as 2023 goes on, uh, Kendra, go ahead and say hi. Hey, everyone. I'm Kendra. Uh, Kendra is actually very involved with the podcast in ways that you may not know, she became my editor, I don't remember when, but... Around March. March. So uh, she has been trying to take as many of my ums and ahs and my uh, ADHD-driven speaking out. And before anybody sends me nasty emails, uh, I have ADHD. I'm not making fun of people with ADHD, so take deep breaths and send your angry email somewhere else. Uh, Kendra, the reason that you're here today is I talked to you the other day, and you and I have a lot of talks about a lot of things. You're my oldest, you're 20, uh, you're a sophomore in college, um just finishing up finals week, so yay for you. Uh, And you are a lot my child. We (laughs) joke about that a lot. You view the world the way that I often do. In fact, when you were in fourth grade, I made you read the book of Pi. I didn't make you, but I I bargained with you. If you read the book (laughs) of Pi, you get this. And uh, I did that because I knew it would create questions of faith. And you're going to have to read that book as a senior anyhow. And so I figured fourth grade was a good time. And it worked out well. Uh, The other day, your mom and I watched an episode of on TV. I won't name the show uh, because why should I give them free publicity? Uh, and, and we were talking about devices. And this has always been something that our family has done drastically different than most families out there. Um, we have always kind of been freewheeling when it comes to devices with you. Uh, as our oldest, I think you were in fourth grade when you got your first phone? Fifth. Fifth I had grade? iPods in third and fourth. Okay, iPods. That's right. I remember when I got your first phone, I accidentally left it at Nona's in Ada. <laughs> before I could give it to you and I had to go get it back. Uh, But so essentially what's going on, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to just pivot away from my daughter for a second and fill you in. There was a, there was an episode uh, on TV this past weekend about how social media is, and I'm quoting here, killing our teenagers. And they actually told a very sad story of a young lady who died by suicide. Uh, they told another story of a young girl who is alive today. She's 20 now, so she's not a young girl now. But when she was in her early teens, she uh, signed up for uh, different social media apps against the rules, right? And, and her parents are part of a class action lawsuit. And the mom said this million dollar line. She's like, we are being gaslighted into believing that this is our fault. Parents, she's talking about here. And we're trying our best. It's time for social media companies to do better. And that really kind of rankled your mom and I because like it totally passes responsibility from the parents to the social media companies. And on top of that, it's a logically flawed argument because the social media companies could then say, well, we're trying our best too. So just do better. Right. And so I thought it'd be interesting to bring you in the 
people that listen to this podcast or who have been regular listeners, they know how I feel about social media, as you might imagine. I have shared my opinions about that. I have written about it. I think we need to end the wars. I find the people that have draconian rules for their kids ridiculous. I find the rules ridiculous. I find the idea that somehow you're going to make prize. You're actually taking something and making it a prized activity, which kids then chase after. So I'm curious, tell me about your experience. So you're 20 now. If you got your first iPad or iPod in third grade, your phone in fifth grade, you've been exposed to social media. Uh, we had controls on your phone, right? For a long time, up until you went to college. There's still some on my phone. I could read, well, but I mean, I could read your text. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's still, I get to know where you're at, mm-hmm. mostly because I'm a little bit overprotective. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but tell me about your experience. Like, what do you see as a now young woman in her 20s, not all that long ago a teenager? What do you see as your 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 peers, like you've had peers with parents who had really strict rules. You've had peers with parents whose rules mimicked ours. What are your thoughts on how the whole social media and teen situation is going? What's been your experience? I've not asked you this before. What's been your experience with your mom's and my rules regarding how you have devices? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different ways I think I could answer this question. Funny enough, we had to watch a similar like episode documentary in one of my classes in college, I'd say just in late October, where parents said, very similar things people are calling tech companies to improve and I had a conversation with a classmate of mine that I'm decent friends with afterwards about our experience with social media and she told me she's like well you know I really agree with it because I always feel like when I'm on Instagram or Snapchat too much my anxiety and my depression gets worse and I agreed with her like I totally recognize that but I raised her I'm like I often just think social media is the tools we use to make it worse oftentimes we get in self-feeding loops I mean it's no secret to you as my dad that I struggled on and off with my mental health in high school and like late middle school because of some life stuff. Right. There were certainly times in my life when social media enabled that and made it worse. But it always stopped when I took control of it and I stepped back. I mean, there was some stuff I had my early high school freshman year where I woke up one day to um, a lot of people removing me off their social media and not talking to me anymore. You probably remember the situation. I do. But that's really all I get into with the podcast. That was awful. I hated social media then and I didn't use the apps for like three or four months after that. Right. But overall, like what her and I talked about was... Yes, social media fully has the potential to make my mental health struggles worse, but often I wouldn't say it's the driving force behind it. It's usually just the way we use, like I started seeking out more information about those people who weren't talking to me anymore and doing things I knew wasn't healthy. Until I stopped doing that is when I started feeling better. And and so you bring up two good points there. One, and this is one that that you and your siblings laugh at me a lot for, but a mantra around our house is nothing makes us. Mm-hmm. It can invite us, right? So even in that rendi- uh, rendition of those experiences, I would argue that the fact that those kids did that, it wasn't social media that made you more depressed. It, was, it wasn't even their behavior. Their behavior was an invitation to be depressed because of what you believed about it. And this is really the crux of my beef with people who make the crazy rules on devices and social media because I had a similar experience in high school to what you had. The only difference was we didn't have social media. They just did it to my face, which in some ways, because I experienced it that way and not the social media way, I feel is worse, right? But even that, that's an invitation. You know, our family is pretty well known. There are people that uh, don't like us and there are people that do like us. There are people that want to bring harm to 
to us. There are people that could care less about us. There are people that want to see us prosper. In our brains, we tend to focus on the people who negatively interact with us. But the idea that social media drove me to be more depressed is, is kind of the issue we beat around all the time at home. And you even mentioned it there. Until I took, you, if I heard you right, right, until I took essentially what you said was control of my responses to what was going on, I was depressed, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the first thing that I noticed there. And then the second thing is the social media bullying isn't new. It is more silent. And I think that's something we have to address. And how would you say parents should address that? Like, like how should parents... You know, because the great the great question that all parents have is, how do I do this? And so uh, your mom still jokes about how when you were born, I disappeared for five hours to the one hour Photoshop because I knew I had no idea what I was doing with kids. And so as a recent teenager, how would you uh, suggest parents open up those dialogues to their kids about things like, hey, what's going on with your social media? How do you feel? Like, what would be things that you would recommend for parents to do? Honestly, I would say the best thing you can do is have conversation. And I'm sure I'm getting eye rolls just by saying that. But there is just so much to access on social media. And, like, there is stuff I'd encounter on social media that I never even told you guys about. But I know we'd had conversations about it. Right. So I could, like, I, I played this app quiz up. It's not even on the app store, any, app store anymore. Right. From ages, like, 12 to 14. And there's, like, a messaging feature and stuff. Yep. Some older guy, when I was, like, 14, played me around and started messaging me. And the conversations got inappropriate really quickly, I just hit the report button and moved on. Right. Because my parents had had so many conversations with me about what are the signs that somebody's being inappropriate? What, when should, like, you start pausing and asking yourself? Uh, the, like, stranger danger tropes of, like, if this person's asking information about where you're living and stuff, that should be raising red flags. Right. And I knew all of that. I never have to, never had to bring it to you guys. Like I said, I think this is probably your first time even hearing about it. Actually, it isn't. Okay. The app well, that I had on your phone, I read all the messages. Well, I And I way. saw you delete them, and so I didn't worry about it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, either way, right. I didn't feel the need to raise concern to you I knew right. what to do right um having those conversations to your kids about like what does dangerous like behavior look like and not even like the question conversations you and I always had were more just like hey this is when somebody's being inappropriate this is stuff like that right and not necessarily like the shaming like a lot of parents I feel like sometimes take the over like protective approach and they become almost shameful in how they explain it to their kids and then their kids feel like they take blame or they take guilt for it so so you're saying have that clear delineation between look there's something that happens to you and how you respond to it mm-hmm. and whatever happens to you is not your responsibility yes yep because like some of my friends who grew up with stricter parents for social media like stricter than you guys were even a lot of that stuff like if they encounter that stuff which is just a nature of social media right they feel very guilty about it and they feel very shameful about it so then they'll hide it or they'll go to other kids who can sometimes be helpful but often not because we're like 13 14 ourselves right instead of either knowing how to handle it or being able to go to an adult they trust about it because the adults like well you shouldn't be on a website where an adult can message you anyways that's inappropriate right which is insane because any app that you can get on, an adult can get on, right? One of the things that people talk about a lot, in fact, this special, I might actually do, uh, for those of you listening, I might actually do an entire episode just of kind of my thoughts on that show. But one of the things they talked about was how kids can sign up for apps that have age requirements and they just lie. And the thing that was like glossed over was so do older people, right? Like, Like I have a client, he always puts his age 15 years younger than what it currently is on all of his social media apps because 
because he's trying to pick up a date and he's older than me and he wants to get a date and he feels that his age is hurting him and all of that. And it's not working, of course, because that doesn't work. But this idea of open communication and not shaming, I think one of the things that happens, and it's funny you said even stricter than us, because there are people that you, and you know this, <laughs> but there are people that think we're so incredibly liberal when it comes to social media and devices. To be fair, certainly with age, you guys have gotten more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, well, because like Kyra, she got on social media at what? Like I blame your mom. 11? That. Yeah, I blame your mom. I wasn't allowed. I didn't sign up for Instagram until I was 13, Snapchat until I was 15, and I also think Blood got Snapchat at like 13. No, she was 15. She was... She no, because mom and her went back and forth about why she should get it early. No, because Cadence got it at 16, uh-huh. and she got it two weeks after Cadence, and they're only a year apart. Cadence would have gotten it at 15 because I got it at 15. I think Cadence got it at 16. Why was there a delay? I got it at 15. I, I don't, don't remember. Think you're right. I could be wrong. <laughs> Welcome to a banter conversation between my daughter and I. I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time, and I guarantee it won't be the last mm-hmm. time. Ah, uh, but again, this this idea of of open communication with parents and kids. Uh, here's a question that I'm not sure I want to know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it because I think it's important to ask. If we did it again, if we ran it back, and instead of you being 20, and I almost got myself in trouble with what was going to come next, I won't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm the editor uh, anyways. Right, yeah, you could just it. cut it out. That's right. Uh, and we were running back in year two, but the 20-year-old can tell... 20-year-old you can tell us what to do now. What would you change in how we handled like, social media and devices? If anything, like, I'm, I'm totally open to hearing nothing. Honestly, I don't know that, like, the age... You guys, like I said, with me, and you kind of did loosen up with that with age anyways. The right. age restrictions with me, I don't really think made much of a difference. Okay. Because I don't really... Knowing how I was at 12, I don't really think having Snapchat would have changed anything about... Because it. I've used it just in phases of my life anyways. I barely used it senior year of high school. I'm using it a lot now to keep in touch with people at different colleges sure you know right so i don't really think the age restrictions were the problem more than the and not all of it was you like while school sometimes you fear like fear tactics and stuff i also did get some of that like stranger danger how to identify sure and conversations from that yep some of it was too much but some of it was genuinely very helpful right so i think a lot of it was just giving me those tools to identify what was inappropriate and also what to do when i encounter stuff that i know i don't want to be seeing which sure. just happens all the time on social media right yeah like when we had the one app that would send me all of your uh uh, all of your stuff on your phone mm-hmm. and ended up there was some history in the safari that I was like hey what is this and I remember you were that. Like, yeah, yeah. And you were like hey I clicked on this it led me to that and then all of a sudden this stuff popped up yeah I was and, I googled something for school yeah but then I hit an ad on accident and then the ad it was one of those like redirect ones yes. and I ended up way far away from what I yeah. wanted to be on and and the thing of it is that I think parents don't realize at least I don't know I've not used that app in a while but at least with that app I could verify what you were saying I could look at how long you were on each page and it was like three seconds two seconds Right, long enough to process this was right. not what I wanted. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, what do you see with your friends and social media? Um, like, especially now, like this year, so, you know, you're a leader at your school. Mm-hmm. You're you're leading some sort of freshman, like, hey, get your stuff together group. Yeah. That's like, what I call it. I'm sure Cornerstone group, doesn't call it. Foundations yeah. group, yeah. stuff like that. Proof that we live in 2022. They need an orientations group to go the whole semester. <laughs> uh, but so so you're, you're literally dealing with freshmen mm-hmm. uh, at a conservative somewhat religious school uh, who are, um, many of them are coming from what we would call a relatively secluded bubble, right? They grew up in a Christian day school. Um, You know, the parents where you will put your phone on the kitchen counter at nine o'clock at night. And if you go near it, we will cut a finger off for every time you go near it, right? (laughs) Right. Obviously I'm being a little, a little facetious, but not far. What are you seeing?
seeing as they come to college and get essentially the first freedom of their life? What are you seeing? How are they handling it? As opposed to people who maybe parents were like, yeah, go do this. And if you fail, we'll figure it out. It's really interesting. I've actually had a lot of conversations with the freshmen I'm kind of leading about this because we had it as a topic in the class that I helped them with. And uh, they're kind of split up in different groups. They're the kids who their parents were very strict, but they've been rebelling against it silently for a very young age. And I mean silently uh, as if they're like, their parents don't really know they've been rebelling against it. Right. But they have secret apps and they have this or that, right? Right. So really the only thing college has changed for them is now they can proudly talk about the apps they're on and the things they've been consuming. And they're on their phone all the time. And then I have like a couple of freshmen who social media for them has always been secondary to other things anyways. Like the athletes in my group, I'd say are very much that way. When social media came up in the group, they didn't really, it didn't really bother them because they said they really only use it when they're not at practice or when they're not in games and when they're not studying. And they're pretty oriented that way. Wait, athletes study? Some of them did. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> Some of them did. Uh, that's fair. But kind of what all of them said, regardless of those like groups they were in, is they really struggled with moderation now that sure. they're at college. Sure. And how much social media is to social media. I even gave them the advice, like, I put parent locks on my phone if I'm studying for exams. <laughs> so I can't open the apps and I can't distract myself because I know it's just a tendency I have to do because I like to procrastinate. Right. I lock my apps. I can't get into them until I'm done studying for however long the timer I set was for. Right. Which is a great illustration of my point that you and your sisters make fun of. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes us. You can't mm-hmm. say, well, social media made me not study because you can take steps to do it. And the common pushback I get there is, well, that's hard, which is true, but all of life is hard. Go ahead. I interrupt. No, you. yeah, you're good. So I was just going to say, like, what a lot of us talked about in that group time was that balance of being able to figure out some people weren't really, like, they didn't know how to balance anything. They didn't know how to balance their sports obligations with their studying, with their phone, with their friends. And other kids, like, they just kind of gave up on the stuff that should be important for their phones. But all of that, they also had the central theme of nobody ever explained to me how to balance it. Right. And I think that's something, that's one of the things that's most lost with these hyper rules is you're never taught how to actually manage your own life. And then when you become an adult and you're off at college or if you stay at home, when you eventually you're on your own, you don't know how. I have clients like this right now. They're in their late 20s, early 30s, and they don't know how to manage their life. They don't know how to schedule their time. They don't know how to put controls on their apps. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to put their phone down. Like I had a guy one time get really upset with me. Uh, I took mail, the mail app on my phone off of the front screen. So, Mm -hmm. you you know, for years I had it down there at the bottom for for my iPhone users. If you're a Droid user, please go listen to a different podcast. (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, But seriously, give it a thought or at least buy an iPhone. Um, and, And this guy was like, well, that sounds like escapism to me. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm escaping from these negative experiences that I'm feeling internally with this mail app. And I still check my mail. Just this morning, your mom and I had a conversation and she asked me when I realized I got an email. I was like, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have gone and looked if you hadn't told me because I don't check my email during the day. I only check it, there are two times I schedule each day. And so that's the, like to me, you saying that, that does my heart good because that's what we want is we wanna raise children who can regulate themselves and then become adults who can regulate themselves. Yeah, to your point about escapism, interestingly enough, because I've had these conversations too. I mean, I practiced escapism a lot as a kid when I was going through that other stuff, but I didn't use technology to escape. I used printed books. Right. I would read books for five, six hours a day. Right. So I didn't have to deal with my life. I right. actually raised that point to a friend recently where I said, yeah, sure, maybe right now you're using Instagram to escape. 
But if I took away Instagram, you would find something else, and it doesn't even have to be on your phone. I have right. friends who are athletes, and they use their sport to escape. Right. If they're having a really bad week, they're just going to go throw in way more hours to practice their sport. Or they might play a video game, like 2K3. <laughs> yeah, or 2K23. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like, there are so many ways to practice escapism that aren't... Your phone is... I use the Fraser phone as just a tool to do that stuff. Yes. So I, I find that I've argued with people about that. Like most of my adolescence when I had a phone, I escaped with printed books and I yep. just read those religiously. Yes. Yes. And I love that analogy that your phone is just a tool because that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's maybe guns, but it's one of the rare tools that we actually blame the tool for its misuse mm-hmm. rather than actually saying, hey, you know what? You actually need to change this. I've also heard the argument before that social media isn't neutral because it tries to manipulate the reward system of your brain. And I don't know if that's on your list of things to talk about, but I just also take so much complaint with that argument. Sure, let's just talk about that. <laughs> okay, uh, because basically like their idea is because all these apps follow the hooked model to get the dopamine center of your brain running, it can't be neutral. It is trying to manipulate you and using it all the time sure but even with that and with the reward system you still have the control to not engage in the reward system that's where i always lose people with this argument right because a ton of things engage your reward system from eating like sweets right to if you're of aid and you go gambling to if you are in a romantic situation and you're with your partner all of those can trigger your reward system yes but you choose when and how to engage with those things just last night yesterday was a very very stressful day i get home uh and my one of my main coping mechanisms for stress is eating and so i sat down and i have a normal healthy snack when i get home and before i went upstairs i found myself looking for other snacks that were not healthy i was i want chocolate And I realized I'm just chasing a dopamine reward. Mm-hmm. I just need to go to bed and drink water. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And I did my my Shakti pressure mat, yeah. which your sister, <laughs> sister made fun of me for. Which she should. Uh, she should not. She should. Uh, the other thing that, you know, you and I were talking about this just recently, the rewards thing. I, okay, so let's just say that's true. So I turned off all the notifications on my phone. Um, I just don't get notifications. There's no little red dots when I open my I phone. I have them off for most apps too. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of text messages, because that is the predominant way that my family gets hold of me but you know you and I are talking about what about sports then yeah right like I'll never forget the first time I played uh, a baseball game and it was during the night and, and there was lights on the field and I had four shadows and I remember thinking this is like the major leagues man I was like 14 right so mm-hmm. I right but that was a dopamine rush or you know there was a time um, that that we were in a penalty shootout and we lost and that was a different type of rush, a very bad rush. But mm-hmm. but like nobody stops and thinks, well wait, what are we doing with sports? Well, as something I mentioned to you was even interesting enough. Arguably, sports have a ho- larger impact on the reward system because they're variable rewards, right? There's different rewards yes. when it comes to the reward system. And phones are pretty set at interval rewards. Yep. You go on the app, you're always going to get the same reward with some apps that do different stuff. But generally, like social media, you're going to get the same stuff. You scroll, right. it's a hit of dopamine. But with sports, sometimes you go in, sometimes you're going to get the reward and you get to high, ride the high. Sometimes you're going to lose and that dopamine is going to crash. But it's going to build up first with the anticipation, which has an even bigger effect on your brain of even more dopamine the next time you do win. Sure. So if you were to... Say, let's say you're babysitting for a parent of a, of a third grader or fourth grader, or you just know them, and they're thinking, hey, we're thinking about getting a phone for our kid, uh, but my sister is a teacher or a counselor or whatever, and she is anti-phone, or my mom and dad or whatever. What would you say to those parents about how to navigate those years 
Most right. kids I've babysat in that age group or I've, like, talked to or helped with in various, like, areas, they need the invitation to do something else, but if you invite them to, they will. Like, when I've babysat kids that age, if they do have technology and they're, like, on an iPad or on a phone or something, often I'll say to them, hey, do you guys want to go outside and play red light, green light? And if they're resistant, I add a reward on top. Well, winner can have the candy your mom told me I can give you or whatever. But once you get that invitation rolling, we're outside for longer than I ever wanted to be outside. Right, right. <laughs> and we talk about this a lot. Like, one of the things your mom and I did th- through most of, uh, well, I mean, obviously Joey's still mm-hmm. coming along. But you're, you're, you're 20, your mm-hmm. sisters are almost done with high school. But if we walked by and we just felt that you were on a device too long, we'd just be like, hey, come do this with us. And, and most of the time, most of my children, except my oldest... <laughs> Uh, would would automatically be like, yeah, let's go do that. You were the one I had to cajole the most. Um, I'm a stubborn child. <laughs> you are. You get that from your mom. Uh, but, you, you know, and I tell people that all the time. The biggest thing that I think is parents need to realize that if they make all their decisions for their kids, their kids won't know how to make decisions when they become adults. And one of my greatest rewards is watching you and listening to you as you interact with your friends, and I know you hate this part, but when I hear my words come out of your mouth, right, see, yeah. those of you, you can't see her, but she's making the, oh, I just opened up the trash can and there's a dirty diaper <laughs> in it face. Uh, that's a really good time for me. And I realize we didn't do it perfectly, but one of the things that I tell parents is you have to start with the expectation you won't do it perfectly. And you've got to move forward and invite your kids because they're not going to do it perfectly either. So you invite them to do it as best they can, and then you figure it out as you go. Also, something I feel like that sometimes gets lost with parents with multiple kids, I feel like it happened in our house occasionally, and then like I'm also like watching my friends do babysitting, is every kid is an individual, so sometimes what's going to work for one kid to go outside and get them to play will not work for the other, right. but that doesn't mean there's not a way. Right. I noticed sometimes like one kid, I might have to invite them to do arts and crafts with me. Oh, well, let's get another piece of paper and we'll draw something. Right. While the other kid, I might set up to go play kickball in the yard. Right. But they're both doing something that's not on their phones, but I had to look at them both separately and realize what they liked doing to get them off their phone. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we went a little long today, uh, almost a full 10 minutes, such is life. I want to thank you for listening. If you have questions about this episode, please feel free to email me, joe at joemartino.com. Please put podcast in the subject line. Uh, If you enjoyed this, please share it with three of your friends. We find meaning in sharing things with people um, that is that we find valuable that that is something that's valuable to us when we share it and give it away to other people we find value in that it actually is good for our brains it's one of the reasons you'll never hear advertising on this podcast because this is something that we want to give away to people um, so that they can be benefited that they can benefit from it thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next week thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's show please share with a friend and hey give us that rating in your podcast store until next time change possible